Julia, Julia, I realized I messed up. Why? Why did you mess up, Abby? I didn't put a spoiler warning before my Animal Crossing episode. Oh, Abby, you <laughs> spoiled Animal Crossing for I all of the good Animal people Crossing. out there. What the uh, heck? You spoiled the fact that the final boss of Animal Crossing is Tom Nook and Timmy and Tommy. You have to defeat them in a bloody and glorious battle. <laughs> Welcome to Media Mumbles. I'm Julia, an English major. And I'm Abby, and I'm a film student. Oh my goodness, are the best film student around, folks. Um, so welcome back to our podcast. Uh, we are two people who are very much too much into media and analyzing it and talking about it. Uh, right now, we are on the second week of our video games talk, and it is my week to choose what we're going to do. I would also like to put a spoiler warning on this episode for Night in the Woods, because we will be talking about Night in the Woods and things that happen in it, including plot points. So if you haven't played that game and you would like to play that game, there will be a few spoilers within this episode, just as a warning now. So, uh, Abby, can I can I ask you something real quick? Um, I guess so. Have you have you been consuming anything lately? I have been. Um, so I've been starting to listen to Vox Media's uh, Today Explained podcast. Um, it's a daily news podcast with uh, summaries of what's going on in the world. They just wrapped up on their daily coronavirus update, and now they're trying to ease into some other things beside that. Um, they just did their... Uh, they did an episode on uh, the class of 2020 who aren't getting their graduation mm -hmm. ceremonies and all that, uh, and they talked to yeah. someone who was really, really looking forward to it because they were a uh, first-generation a graduate of their family and uh i think she said her dad just got out of prison or something and was like really it was so important to her to have this and she just mm -hmm. couldn't have it in her experience with that um and they did uh their own little graduation ceremony for her where they had this really nice pre-recorded like kind of funny uh actually i don't know if it was pre-recorded or not but um and it was really nice they're pretty short episodes um but the reason I've been starting to listen to this podcast is because um, the other news podcast I was listening to for almost two years, Trends Like These, with the Travis McElroy and uh, Brent Dolfloss, um, who also used to do YouTube music things, and Courtney Enloe, they just uh, stopped recording their podcast because, first of all, Travis now has two kids, which is a lot. Um, but also so many children. So so many children. <laughs> um, two more <laughs> than I would ever want. But um, they also couldn't really handle the mental toll it was taking on them, which I completely yeah. completely understand. But it did make me super super sad because I'm like the kind of person that has a hard time processing my own surroundings sometimes, even when they affect me in a very real way. So these people that for over like two years made me not only feel more equipped to live in like my own reality but were also just so great and funny and wonderful and nice they had to stop because the world was just too depressing for them to carry any longer and while i totally understand it just kind of made everything that much worse so i'm trying to get yeah. myself back up because i do feel kind of like an obligation to be informed on things it just Mm -hmm. While it does make me feel worse sometimes when things are bad, it also makes me feel better, you know, knowledge is power, I guess, so having yeah. that information on my hands makes me feel better sometimes, so it's been really helpful to yeah. listen to this new podcast, because I know that they have, like, a team of fact-checkers and all that, and I can mostly, like, I know you can't trust any <laughs> piece of media 100%, yeah. but I feel, got yeah, they're good people, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like it's my responsibility as a global citizen to kind of 
be informed on stuff because I feel like one of the most irresponsible routes you can kind of take is just accepting your place and not having a voice in literally anything that happens. Like, I understand that not everyone likes politics, but I feel like it's just at a certain point, especially with we're voting age and we're the next generation of people who are going to have to start making a difference. And it's like, if you don't have any opinions or any say in anything, how are you going to do anything to make changes? You yeah, know? exactly. So that's what I've been going through. <laughs> Uh, Julia, what have you been consuming? Well, I also have a podcast that I've started consuming lately. I have very recently started listening to the Magnus Archives. Oh, yes, yes. I'm, oh my goodness, the fact that I haven't been listening to this since it came out in 2016 is a crime against me and against humanity. It's so fun. It's, um, well, it's not fun. It's, scary. <laughs> it's very it's a much not podcast. fun. <laughs> it's, it is fun, but it's not fun at the same time. I'll explain to you yes. why. It's, um, it's a horror anthology podcast. So it's this place called the Magnus Institute and the head archivist of the Magnus Institute, Jonathan Sims, he's, um, recording on tape these statements from, like, the old written archives, getting them onto digital because some of them won't record onto his laptop for like whatever reason it just corrupts the recording equipment so he has to do them on tape um so you're listening to those and it's all these like creepy stories about things that are kind of based off of people's fears like there's a whole overarching theme in the first season with like trypophobia because there's this character named uh jane prentice and she's called the hive and there's like these worms that like burrow into people's skin and like make like holes in them and stuff so it's like kind of playing off trypophobia this one's like arachnophobia with claustrophobia stuff like that so it is very creepy yes um but i i'm very into horror stuff like that i like really spooky things like i like watching creepy documentaries and stuff like that it just like it doesn't bother me that much and i've really started to love the characters in this show because there's like the staff of the magnus institute and they're like a, a few episodes in they kind of started to like interrupt his recording so you'd get to hear them and stuff so there's like martin and sasha and tim and like all the people who work there and i've started to get quite attached to the recurring cast of the magnus archive so it's been very fun to get to start to listen to that and there's uh quite a bit of content for me to get through so i'm excited to keep on listening cool yeah i wish i wasn't so much of a baby because like i've heard so many people say that's so good and i just I really, really want to start listening, but I don't know. Maybe I will start listening. Most horror, the main thing that bothers me is any kind of body horror or uh, mm -hmm. gore. Like, anything, you see it and you immediately, like, feel it on yourself. Like, if I see anyone yeah. get, like, stabbed in the eye or something, I just, I can't stop feeling it in myself. Um, mm -hmm. But, I don't know. I feel like that seems more of creepy and, like, a psychologically kind of creepy thing. Um, yeah, which maybe I could deal with. Exactly it. Yeah, I might, I might try that. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just check it out, yeah. I guess, and see if you like it. I would recommend it for people who like horror who haven't checked it out yet. It's very, very yeah. good. I am a big, big fan. Ooh, are you drinking anything today? I have water upstairs, uh. but I left it upstairs. I did just eat. Um, we got more Mister Freeze's popsicles, uh. so I. Me and my brother watched an episode of Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency because I'm showing him that show, that show. And I ate a freezy because it's <laughs> getting hot now. All right. I'm drinking, just so you know, I'm, I did make myself a lemonade for this and I have a cup of water. Ooh, but I haven't really drank anything nice. except for coffee all day, so I'm trying to make up for it. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. All right, I'm ready. Okay. So the game that I chose for this week is my favorite choice is night in the woods Woo. it's one of my very favorite games it's super fun and so when i was thinking about like what my favorite games are most of them are indie games and i found that i like i typically tend to gravitate more towards indie games i think it's both because like i love to like celebrate and support independent artists and because I've noticed that it's like that freedom that they have of being an indie game allows for a lot more complex and moving stories, which is generally what I like more than gameplay. Because while there are indie games that have like 
extremely hard gameplay because the creators are just like, we don't have to listen to anyone's rules, so I'm going to make literally the hardest game I can, like Hollow Knight. It's like, we are very hard. I'll make you suffer and no one can stop me. <laughs> yeah, but I I just love the storytelling that like passionate creators put into stuff like that. And I actually, I I say that I like indie games, but I didn't really know what that meant. So I did look up what an indie game was and it is basically what you'd expect so um, in the video game industry an independent game refers to games typically created by individuals or smaller development teams without the financial support of a large game publisher in contrast to most AAA games so it's just similar to indie music where the artist is just independent of a major studio yeah. for support which is what you'd expect but I was just like does indie mean something else it yeah. does not it means exactly what you think it means, it means. you talk like this <laughs> talking car share which my game yeah anyways but enough about video games in general I'm gonna explain to you night in the woods so I think first before explaining night in the woods you kind of have to understand the protagonist because everything about this game centers around Mae Borofsky, oh. the protagonist of Night in the Woods, because she's kind of a little bit of the catalyst, I guess. It's not the catalyst, but, you know, her exploration of the world and you controlling her is what, you know, causes yeah. the mystery to be solved and everything to happen. So May is a 20-year-old anthropomorphic cat who has recently dropped out of college for, at the beginning of the game, unknown reasons, and is now living once again with her parents in her hometown of Possum Springs. Uh, she's an interesting protagonist to play because her motivations generally are kind of superficially self-centered. And when you compare her to her friends, Greg, who's a dog, Bee, who's like an alligator, and Angus, who's a bear, she comes across as a bit lost in the world, not knowing where she belongs. And I found when I was looking into this game that some people found this aspect a bit grating, as they found her stuck up, selfish, or annoying. Mm -hmm. But I, I don't know, I don't really agree with that because I think that there's a lot of care put into creating a believably flawed character. Because yes. I think it adds a lot of depth to the game because she's, you know, she's kind of, she's dealing with a lot within the story. And that adds a lot of layers to, like, the different ways that you play yeah. it, you know? It's just... Yeah, I I stand by that being a protagonist doesn't necessarily mean you have to be a good person. It just means you have to be mm -hmm. relatable because you're the, the medium through which the audience sees your story. So if they can't empathize with you, that sometimes does make for a less um, interesting story. Although, like, there are situations where that's totally valid. Um, but, yeah, I don't think the protagonist has to be a 100% good person just because I think writers are drawn to making their protagonist a good person because they want the reader to feel like a good person. They want to feel good consuming or reading or watching that piece of media, but that doesn't always lead to the most interesting things that have the most to say. Yeah, and I find that if you stray more towards like perfect character they can get kind of like protagonitis yes. <laughs> where it's just like i am the perfect protagonist and i'm so good and i'm so great and everyone loves me and i'm like okay well can you give me one thing that needs to be solved about this person because i'm it's getting on my nerves at this point how perfect that they are yes so yeah yeah well i guess may can like kind of i guess edge on the line of like being a little bit she calls herself a jerk you know yeah. like, throughout the game she refers to herself as a jerk but i think it is so relatable her like state in life and she's dealing with like mental health issues and like yeah. all these things so i think that she is quite yeah relatable i love when things aren't afraid to have their woman characters be messy because so often mm -hmm. the flaws quote unquote for female characters is like oh she just doesn't care enough about her looks like what what's up with that <laughs> like take off your glasses and take out your ponytail yeah and, and really like pretty and hot yeah like her messy is genuine messy human emotions which I, yeah. I adore but overall with the plot of night in the woods uh it just explores the story of may's return to her hometown and discovering that things there have changed a lot since she left for college two years ago while she has stayed in one place dealing with her internal struggles so one of her best friends has gone missing and the remaining friends of the town have grown and adapted with their lives as the economy crumbled and the citizens had to let go of life as they knew it after the coal mine shut down um, you get to go through the days choosing who to spend time with and talk to, finding out as little or as much as you are willing to interact with, and you uncover the mystery and the dark secrets that Possum Springs have to hide. Oh. So, 
I think one of the cool things about this game is that like you could literally just like power through this, just like go, just blast, yeah, it, blast that's, through the That's plot, what I did everything. by accident because I I assumed <laughs> that like I went into this even though I was very late to the night in the woods train as I am to a lot of things. Um, I assumed that like any choice I picked didn't mean I was not choosing the other things. I thought I was just choosing the order of mm-hmm. which I could do things. So I just was like, yeah, I feel like doing this. And I just kept like going through the days. And then I was like, oh, it's it's done. I got through it in like a day and a half or something. And I was like, maybe I should have not done that. <laughs> yeah. But also with that, it's like there's little things that you can do throughout the game, too. Like you can talk to people on the side of the street and like get poetry from people or like find stories behind the constellations. Like, (laughs) you know, it's it's so cool. The lore of this game is just like crazy. And I love it so much because I am the biggest fan in the entire world of dialogue based games. Oh, my goodness. You cannot give me enough dialogue based games. Please just let me choose between a few different speech bubbles and let me talk to NPCs for a million years and get all the lore of the town that I'm in. It's my favorite thing in the entire Socializing world. Socializing simulator. <laughs> for oh, an extrovert please, like I Julia. I, I enjoy talking to people. I am the kind of person who will chat up the person beside me in line at Tim Hortons yeah. just because I It is like the talking. basis of our friendship. <laughs> yes, I'm the one who speaks to strangers. And then I can stand there and smile and nod and it's so... <laughs> It's such a good security blanket. You don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and outside of the plot, um, I did look into the history for you. I can tell you a little about that if you want to know. I do want to know. All right. So there isn't much as it was a game that came out in 2017. Mm-hmm. But there are some cool things with the development. So uh, I really like quintessentially indie sort of beginning for a project is being funded on Kickstarter because that's a way of getting money you need uh, to make a really well-made game while not having that company so it makes you the indie game so the creators of the game Alec Holoka and Scott Benson, they chose the platform to raise money because they were, and I quote just two guys who love to make things Mm -hmm. and they wanted other people who care about niche video games to be able to support this huge thing that they were creating and their Kickstarter achieved 400% of its $50,000 goal, taking in over $200,000 in total towards the game's development. And the extra money allowed their company that they made, Infinite Ammo, to hire Charles Hunter to recreate create additional animations and Adam Saltzman to create the Infinite Crawl minigame within the game itself, which is the um, the little game on her computer oh. that they had. Oh, so they're like, hey, we had extra money. Let's put a video game inside of our video game, actually. I think that would yeah. be a really fun thing for us to do. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That game was so hard. I, I tried. I started it. Um, and then I was like, this is super hard and I'm really bad at it. So I stopped. But my sister, I forced her to start playing it. She just, like, she found that game and that's all she did for the rest of the time and then because like her computer couldn't really handle it because she has this tiny like asus laptop so she just played (laughs) that game and she got like pretty far into it i don't know if she finished it or not but i was shocked (laughs) at her dedication to this (laughs) game inside a game instead of the actual masterpiece of the game i know i think i got like five levels into that and then i was like oh this isn't necessary i'm moving on now (laughs) i'm always tempted like if i feel like there's some piece of lore that's going to explain so much about the game that i like feel like i want to do it but then eventually if it's not that then i'm like no yeah the only thing that happens when you beat demon tower is that she like writes it down in her journal yes so now you know the journal is a cool thing i I yeah i like the journal i when i first saw it i was like oh oh that's the thing i just did cute (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> she did a little doodle yeah. it was uh like in the in the lore sense of the journal it's um it was prescribed to her by her like psychologist or psychiatrist um and he told her that it would help her get her emotions in check and she uses it to kind of ground herself in reality by writing down things that happened yeah. so here's a little fun fact that i don't think you'll know about these games the initial release of the game was actually preceded by two supplementary games which were called Longest Night, that was released in 2013, and Lost Constellation, which was released in 2014. So there were two games that came out 
Ooh. way before Night in the Woods. And um, uh, Longest Night is just a simple game, and it features May and her friends watching the constellations as part of the Longest Night Festival, which is like the winter holiday festival that they have in the world of Night in the Woods. And as the game oh. ends, it reveals that the entire thing was just a dream of May's. So it was just like a little introduction to the characters to kind of get people interested that's cool do the stories tie in at all a little bit um long uh lost constellation uh ties in more it's um a bedtime story that is recited to may by her grandfather and it takes place where his grandparents came from but long before they lived so it's about this astronomer named adina astra who wishes to travel to the frozen lake during longest night in order to see the ghost of her deceased lover as well as to see the ghost star where the dead souls head to. But she has to travel through the forest first, which is controlled by the forest god, who is the only one who allows passage through. Yeah. So that was like a huge lore uh, game, and it was just kind of like, hey, there are forest gods and also like dead stars and constellations and stuff. And it was also like... Because her grandfather oh is really important to her throughout the game, right? Like, she mentions him a lot. Like, yes. in the first screen you ever get to, like, the first time you... It's a really cool introduction to the game with, like, seeing the choices you make. Because you dictate the story that her grandfather told her about the town that, like, starts off her journey when she's coming back. It's, like, on the year of the big flood, my grandfather did something, you know, like... So, it just kind of... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I thought that was a cool intro. Yeah, it was a really cool intro. I always love looking at, like, openers of games. Mm -hmm. Like, I could just go through, like, a compilation of them. Because they're always so, like, nice and, like, interesting and, like, artsy-fartsy. Yeah. I love them. One of the most intense ones I think I've ever seen was for, like, the newest Life is Strange game. Uh, I can't remember the title of it, but it's the one with, like, the boy and his brother. Hmm. I'm... I don't know. The name is escaping me now. I'm very sorry. But um, it's like him and his brother and his dad are just like hanging out. And then all of a sudden his brother has like fake blood and it spills on this kid. And then the kid gets knocked out and the police come and like shoot their dad. And then they have to run into the woods because they're orphans now. And his brother has powers. And all of that happens in like the very first part of the game. And I'm like, what's happening? What's happening? Why is this happening? It's so intense. Hit the ground running. I know. And then the whole rest of the game. And bleeding. And dying. Yes. And police (laughs) brutality and aggression against people of color. (laughs) Yikes. I hit the ground running away from my dead dad and the cops. Correct. Yeah. So both of these games were just kind of teasers and they built some lore into the world before the actual release of the game itself, which was in February of 2017. And in December of that same year, both of those games were added into the Steam version of Night in the Woods. They're like in the setup. You can play both those games. And um, Wait, really? Yeah, I did not know that. But apparently you can play both of those games if you got it off of Steam. Yeah, I do have it on Steam. I know because the heck? we um I wasn't aware that the version I and you were playing is an extended version. It's called the Weird Autumn oh. Edition and it added a bunch of extra content and both of those games into it. Wig. Yes. Huh. Yeah, I didn't know that I was playing an extended edition, but now I do. <laughs> the more you know, Abby, the more you know. The more you know. Okay. <laughs> um overall uh, the response to this game, moving on to that, uh, it was very high praise across the board. It was nominated for tons of awards and it even won a few of them. And critics across a lot of websites like Metacritic and IGN gave it very high ratings. Uh, it was named as one of the top 50 games of 2017 by both Polygon and Eurogamer. Audiences also really loved Night in the Woods, praising the story and the humor and clever writing that was used throughout the gameplay. Although, again, not everyone was totally won over by May including our very own Justin McElroy, who wrote a review of Night in the Woods what? for Polygon. Yeah, he had, I have, a, I have a quote from him in his review. He said, it's a bold choice to center a game on an unlikable character, and it's a very effective way of highlighting the virtues of the supporting cast. But the behavior of those other characters towards May, the way they work to preserve their relationships with her, makes me wonder if the game's developers were fully aware of how grating their hero can sometimes come across. Hmm. I guess that's fair, but, like, I do still like her. <laughs> yeah, I like her, too, and I don't fully agree with that statement, as I feel May's behavior is strongly influenced by her 
mental illness and her position in the game and it's explained as the story progresses and it also is used to push the narrative forward like I think he's kind of not giving them enough credit by saying that the game developers weren't aware of how she was because I don't think they would have made her that way if it didn't have the purposes that it had in the game true yeah yeah I think I still like her like I can understand how maybe I don't know if he, what specifically he's referring to, uh-huh. if he's more talking about, like, the actual, like, destructive decisions she makes, or maybe just, like, her way of speaking and, like, certain dialogue or what. Because, yeah. like, but I do think that's a fair point that um, because she's so, the way she is, yeah. like, messy, um, it does, like, work to highlight the other people's, like, good points and how supportive and nice they uh-huh. are, which I think... I think that's kind of an asset because, like, oftentimes you don't get to learn as much about the other, like, side characters because everything's focused on the main character. But I think if those side characters are more important because of the failings of the main character, I think that's really interesting. Yeah. Um, Because that works to integrate them into the story instead of making it feel like they have their own, like, side arc. It's like interwoven character development through the two of them yeah because you get to see like how i think a lot of with the themes of this game it's like may is kind of stuck in one place like kind of riding on her nostalgia of how her life used to be back in possum springs and her friends in the tears that she was gone have had to grow up in a way that she didn't while she was away at college so it's kind of like using her state that she's in as a person versus their state and their support that they are as like they're individual people it's a really nice contrast in that way yeah for sure yeet yeet. so this game was overall really praised for its story and its art and its music which are both absolutely beautiful the style of this game is one of my favorite things it's so pretty and it's so pleasant to just look at like the colors and like the 2d style Oh oh my goodness it's so pretty and of course people loved it because it's an amazing looking game it's great and the music was also composed by like uh scott benson one of the main creators which is very cool he is a very talented music creator but uh the mechanics of the game weren't like to stand out or anything just because that's not the main focus you know it's um yeah i do love any game that lets you jump on (laughs) uh telephone poles Oh, even if it's like more inconvenient, I will always jump across the telephone poles to get somewhere. It's so fun. To, like, exactly. Boom. And I think like oh, choosing yeah. to make it a platformer where you can like jump on the cars and jump on the telephone poles, like yeah. adds so much fun. It's like the funnest thing ever. I'm like, hey, um, anyways, as I'm going to the next part of the town, I'm going to be on top of all of you on these buildings and just be jumping and vibing and having literally the best time ever (laughs) like it probably would be faster for me to just walk but no no No. i refuse (laughs) and it's i like it that it's not like integrated into the gameplay it's literally just like it's a platformer but the only reason it is is because you use these platforms to move from place to place while you like do things within the story it's not like mario where it's like jump to survive jump on enemies yeah yeah yeah, yeah. (laughs) i think like it's like i fell and now i'm on the ground and that's fine (laughs) and i can get back up if i want to because i am cat and i jump on the telephone poles I think the only time it's really uh, integrated into the story is during her dream sequences that she has, where, like, while she's sleeping, she has these kind of, they're not nightmares, but they're kind of spooky, eerie dreams where you're in, like, they're wild. They're very wild. That's a whole different category of dream, but it's it's a trip. It's a trip and a half. It is a trip and a half. Eventually, she meets God, which is really fun. (laughs) Hey, there. <laughs> hey god yeah but during her how's it doing? during her dreams she's like jumping from these dark platforms and trying to find like four musicians hidden at the four corners of like the level yeah and when they all start playing like either she'll just wake up at the beginning or eventually as you get further on into the game she like has to defeat these like glowing dream beasts kind of things until eventually yeah. god appears in her dream it's a really interesting transitional phase throughout each like separate day Mm -hmm. like you wake up each day with like 
a slight sense of dread. And I think that's very fitting. Yeah. It's like, wow, that was um, an intense end to this particular chapter. Let's move on to the next one. Because that's what it feels like waking up with like any kind of like mental illness. It's like I wake up. And I just kind of feel not great, but I'm gonna go about my day. It's like, let's get up anyways. It's the only thing we can do right now. Yeah. Yeah. But um, like I have said, the main uh, gameplay element in this game is the dialogue. Choice-based dialogue mm. games. The best kind of game mm-hmm. that's out there. I enjoy these so much, I think, because it's like I love any kind of media that is interactive that... um has like consequences to actions i think that's incredible even when i'm watching a tv show like i want the thing that happens to have a consequence in the show right because it's not satisfying if it's just like you said something but also it doesn't matter it's whatever blah 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 blah. like i think alex hirsch mentioned it like in making gravity falls how when stan got like an injury they made sure that in all the next episodes he had a bandage on his arm because they wanted the audience to know hey the things that happen in the show have consequences even if they're small consequences the things happen matter because they're real Mm -hmm. kind of thing i think avatar did the same thing like he uh and gets uh lightning shocked very badly by uh azula and then like way way later in the show he still has like a scar on the bottom of his foot and i'm like that's what makes stories mean something is that, like, you took the time to tell the audience that this thing is real, yeah. even if it's technically not yes. real. <laughs> Boo-hoo. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's why I love games like that so much. It makes me feel, as a player, like the things that I'm doing matter, and I'm not just wasting my time on this game, right? It's like, I can connect yeah. on a deeper level to this character that I'm playing as because the things that happen, it's like, hey, I did that. I, me, Julia, I did that in this game because I chose the path that I took. And, like, the main thing with Night in the Woods where that happens is choosing the different paths that you go down during the game, which is, like, who you hang out with through the different days. So, you know, if you choose to spend more time with B, you find out how she had to, like, let go of her dreams of going to college to run her family's store. If you hang out with Greg, you get to know more about his, like, situation with his family and his himself and stuff like that. And I don't know. It's just the choice-based games are yeah, just so great to me because it's, like, you get to find out a lot of really intricate details through, like, the little choices you make throughout the game, and it's just really rewarding. Yeah, I think I chose... Not on purpose, but I spent a lot of time with B because I thought I was supposed to kind of repair my relationship with her because that's kind of where I felt the game was leading me. But really, the game wasn't leading me anywhere. It gave me like plenty of interesting things about each character. But me as a person, I was like, oh, shoot, I have like wronged this person. I need to like make it better. So I just started spending a lot of time with her, even though it kind of stressed me out to like go along that arc because like. Any arc that's, like, once friends are now very much not friends makes me feel so tense and bad inside. But I was like, oh, I have to fix this. And it was ended up being really interesting, even though it did kind of highlight, like, how May isn't the best of people. Yeah. But it's still... It was so interesting. I loved it. Yeah, it's, it's a really... It's a very like real and thought-provoking game in those kind of ways with the stories that you unlock as you play through it like what I always think about with that is like Angus and how you find out with him it's like yeah my mom used to like lock me in a closet because oh my gosh she was the worst and a very abusive and stuff and it's like wow yeah that's intense like I didn't think I'd be learning about that kind of stuff in this game through talking to these characters story his whole story is so good. I, oh, that whole scene where they're like talking under the stars. I just I know. And when you like, if you go out into the forest with Greg, and like ride your dirt bikes out there and like poke each other with sticks and stuff like that, mm-hmm. like, like stick swords or I don't know what game they called it. Yeah. Oh, it's such a nice game, and the messages that go throughout it are also so like so much deeper than you think that like a regular game could have. So, like, one of the main things is mental health. So, 
she has may has like demon eyes or crazy eyes she calls them and it's like a nightmare the eyes. nightmare eyes yes she has her nightmare yes. eyes so i um one of my uh villagers at animal crossing is kiki and i partially picked her because she does look like may and she has nightmare nightmares eyes. <laughs> yeah so her nightmare eyes they are kind of tied into her disassociative disorder so she mm-hmm. has there's this thing that they reference throughout the game called the incident and it's kind of explained, but it was never, like, I don't think it's, like, the full picture. I couldn't remember it. Yeah, I don't think they ever explicitly lay out what it is, which I appreciate, because nothing grates my gears more than dialogue in games. It's like, remember when this deeply hurtful thing happened? Why don't we <laughs> remember it in excruciating detail and make sure that we don't leave out any important plot points because we need to move the story forward through this uh dialogue that i am using to explain things to you yeah but i hate it so may had an incident when she was younger where she completely disassociated and attacked someone with a baseball bat so she said something broke inside her and before she knew it she was beating andy cullen's head in with a bat in front of the entire school following that most parents told their children to stay away from may By the events of Night in the Woods, most of the kids in town know May through the attack and they nickname her Killer. Uh, The incident Mm -hmm. puts a strain on May's relationship with her family and they went into deep debt trying to treat her and her illness. Uh, She never made a single friend at college because she was terrified of leaving her room. She was left starving or else downing entire pizzas in one go. She drank cough syrup just to sleep and forget about her living nightmare. Uh, She was especially terrified of the rusty statue of the founder right outside her window, always a mess of shapes watching and pointing down at her. She felt too scared to phone anyone for help, and after three semesters, she finally mustered up the courage to leave and return to the safety of home where things weren't just dead shapes. And her uh, doctor, he instructed her to repress her issues, so that's really fun, and her emotional turmoil is later revealed to be a byproduct of dissociation. So, yeah. With her dissociation, she just kind of sees things as, like, shapes, like, dead shapes in a universe of nothingness, I think is how she described it. So when she was mm. out playing baseball, she just kind of, like, snapped, and she couldn't stand looking at the dead shapes anymore. So she just started attacking a kid with a baseball bat, and then the entire town kind of turned against her. Ooh, Yeah, so I think that kind of really goes to explain the way that she acts, because it's, like she has so little control on like the environment that she lives in because of her disassociation. Yeah. Yeah. She's kind of like, she's snarky and kind of disrespectful. She refers to herself as a jerk, but she just kind of like, you know, that's just who she be. And it's kind of like a, a more intense look at mental illness than a lot of, I think pieces of media look at them. Cause most of the time it's displayed as kind of like mostly an internal thing but in this case it's like there's the people in her town are told to like keep away from her because at one point she hurt someone else so it's like it's kind of showing these like physical repercussions of the things that she went through yeah i like that um it's described as like dead shapes because the art style of the game is flat 2d like shapes Mm -hmm. Uh, it's like like a side scroller kind of thing. I think that's interesting. Yeah. And another kind of theme that I think is really prevalent in the game is like the transition to adulthood. I think that's really highlighted. Yes. And that's something that you and I and a lot of other people our age really can relate to because the transition between being a teenager and being an adult is like the weirdest thing in the, the entire worst. world. It's awful. <laughs> it's <not fun. laughs> like you don't know who you are. You don't know where you're supposed to be. You don't know what you're supposed to be seen as or what responsibilities you're supposed to have it's like I don't know if at this point I should be completely financially responsible and on my own if I should be like like your sister's getting married and she is it's like there's just like the point of life that we're in right now is the point when every single person's life starts taking a huge like turn away from each other and there's so many dramatic different directions that your life could go in right now and it's so scary it's so very scary i think it's really well established in this it's like there's a may's stuck 
she's stuck between where she was and kind of where she is now and her depression and her disassociation caused her to feel like this overwhelming nostalgia for where her life used to be uh her friends grew up and she kind of missed it and it's like yeah that's a I've been finding so much more media lately as I'm going through this period in my life that like perfectly reflects these feelings that I'm feeling because the transition from high school to university for me was just like literally I think I'm not gonna say like, oh the hardest thing I've ever been through but like it was way way more difficult than I thought it was gonna be and I didn't even move away from yeah. home I'm going to a local university so it was just like I don't know it's like I don't know if I'm a kid or an adult and I miss the things I used to know and it's just like everything's so crazy and it's like this game and like even um the new episodes of Steven Universe when I was watching oh all of those gosh. every single episode of Steven Universe it's feature so I sobbed watching every single one of them every single I, episode I am not a cry person I cried so much I cried so much I'm not a cry person what the heck <laughs> I am a cry person oh. I want I haven't finished it yet because I haven't been able to find the episodes anywhere reliable. You didn't finish Steven Universe? No, I have like what? three more episodes left. I'm sorry, I'm so sorry. But I got to like, when I, when I was literally watching episode 14, I cried so much that I couldn't sleep. Um, and then I had to stop. <laughs> I haven't been able to find the episodes <laughs> since then. Honey, I, my, my dear, you're going to cry so much. I know I am. The last episode. Holy crap. Okay, I'm not going to spoil anything, okay. but, like, holy crap. There's a moment where, like, all the tension that they're building up to mm -hmm. with, like, Steven's whole emotional turmoil yes. builds up to the final resolution. Yes. And just everyone, after everyone says their thing and it's all done, I just... Oh, something broke in me. <laughs> I was like... I was I was done for. <laughs> I after I finished the episode, um, I came upstairs and I think my sister had finished watching it too. Um, and she's like, "Did you watch the last episode?" And I was like, "Yeah." She's like, "Did you cry?" Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I I have very similar feelings to you. I played this game. I think it was midsummer last year. So yeah, basically right before I was about to start. My first year of college at a place in a whole program that I wasn't completely even expecting to be in a year earlier. Mm -hmm. um, so a lot of the things May was struggling with were kind of the end result of my worst case scenario fears kind of yeah. thing. Like I wouldn't like my program. I wouldn't be cut out for it. I wouldn't be able to handle it. And I would just be lost and wouldn't know what to do. Which, like, I know. I know that every kid our age feels like they don't know what they're going to do with their life. Um, but that doesn't make the fear any less real. It was a lot when you see May kind of, like, going back home and interacting with her friends that she hasn't been able to interact with in the same way. Her friends do grow up and, like, her best friend is who's like top number one goofball i have a full-time job like i can't just go do stuff with you i have to work um like we're saving up to move out like i'm moving on with my life flata explains to her like that doesn't mean we're any less friends but like i can't always drop everything for you and even though that's a completely expected mundane normal thing it still like hurts yeah i do think that um, this game doesn't hurt as much as we're kind of making it out to be because yeah. it is so expertly cut by such, like, funny and heartfelt moments. Like, there's so many talks that she has with her friends that are just, like, touching and lighthearted. Yeah. And she says things that are, like, so funny. Like curse word incoming but she's like she's like suffocate from choking on the entirety of my ass <laughs> like it's it's so funny and it's like she jumps around and she has a lot of fun and it's like while there are these like intense emotional parts it's such clever writing they did such a good job with the writing of this game one of the main things i have with any book show movie anything if the dialogue doesn't feel natural i just can't connect with it at all and this one goes beyond natural. It just feels like 
obviously mm-hmm. clever and funny, but it's the way it's written makes it feel like you're listening in on someone else's yeah. conversation, which is the perfect balance that I look for in dialogue. It is very natural. It feels like almost like you could be having the conversations with them as they're having it, like while they're just like hanging out at the pizza place and Greg is explaining the scale of pizza, which is like every pizza is good except if it's bad pizza. And it's like, yeah, every pizza is good unless it's bad pizza. You're very right on that one, Greg. Or like they're just going out to vandalize some stuff and just like having a fun time. It's fun with games like this because while it doesn't take a super long time to finish, it's there's so many little things in it and it's like there's so many different paths you can take that it's like you can have a few different experiences as you go through and play like the different routes and stuff, which makes it like fresh and interesting and you can play it multiple times. Fun with your friends. <laughs> play it again. With the game too, it's like, although a lot of it is about like these messages and themes that are in it, it is also an incredibly interesting and fun mystery game that we literally haven't even touched on yet, despite all of the stuff that we've talked about about it. So they find like an arm out in the middle of the town and it leads down this rabbit hole of like her, one of her best friends, Casey, is missing and they find this arm and she starts noticing weird and like kind of mysterious things around the town and it leads to with like in complement kind of with the finding out that like there's this entity like the sky cat that exists and is like the seer of the universe there's also a cult in their town that sacrifices a member like once a year to um keep this like eldritch being in the coal mines satiated so that the economy of the town can stay running and she finds out that her friend Casey was one of the people that they like kidnapped and killed for their like cult ritual and they try and kill her too and her friends and her like have to narrowly escape but it's like I think it's fun that it's like a weird creepy horror mystery tied into like this coming of age game that is a nice kind of change of coming of age because it's not a coming of age of a pretty teenager in high school. It's a coming of age of a messy, relatable female (laughs) cat with nightmare eyes. Exactly. And it's just a very, I don't know. I think it's an all around extremely good game. One of my favorites. And that is why I chose it for all of you today to listen to us talk about. (laughs) Yeah. I think I thought it, I'm not going to be able to uh, articulate this, particularly well but i'm gonna try um i kind of got notes of like anti-capitalist kind of messaging in there because like the whole cult is like we take one of our working class and kill them for the economy and i was like huh that's a thing to say that's 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 a thing (laughs) like it turned out this awful murderous cult is just a bunch of white suburban men thinking that they know what's best and i'm like yeah 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 they're like we are the richest among you and we will kill this little rug rat we found in the street for the good of our money (laughs) i'm pretty sure they say at some point yeah they picked people who they thought no one would miss and no one would care about this friend that they find out like at the very beginning is missing they're all kind of like oh like that's our friend but you don't you hear about it a lot, but it's not the main center like you would think it is so much the yeah. plot. Like, it is the mystery they're trying to figure out. Yeah, they're like, he probably just ran away or something like that because he was always someone who was kind of out of the center of the, you know, care yeah. of this town, you know? They did choose someone who I guess people wouldn't miss or care about that much in the end, you know? With that, there's also her friends who even throughout her being her self-proclaimed jerk they do care about her, you know? And, like, there's that quote from Angus. It's like, I believe in a universe that doesn't care and people who yeah. do. Because it's, Ugh. you know, they all worked together. They found out what happens to Casey and they, like, trap this cult in the caves with a rock fall and they, you know, they worked together to do all this. And then May, you know, within the span of the week of this game, she really, like, comes into herself and realizes, like... Her friends are still going to be there, even though things have changed. And um, she has a support system that are there for her no matter what happens. So yeah, it's like a really nice sentiment to kind of end this harrowing and emotionally hard-hitting game with. Yeah, I think I'll end 
on one of the quotes from the Sky Cat because it's like, oh my goodness, like, here's the writing of this game. So it's a uh, little creature. You are not chosen. There is nothing to choose you. This is going nowhere, and the universe is forgetting you, and I am remembering you, not because I am caring. The beginning is moments ago. The end is moments away. There is no time to forget before all is forgotten. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for joining us for another episode of Media Mumbles with an English major and a mm. film major who are too invested in media and things. Mm. <laughs> we are now available on a multitude of streaming platforms as I am being informed slowly but surely by the Anchor podcasting app. You can check us out on Google Podcasts, on Spotify, on wherever you would like to. Uh, we have a YouTube channel, Media Mumbles. And our theme is by Louis Zong. It is in full color on the uh, Here EP. I love it very much. It's one of my favorites of his. Um, and I think it works really well as a theme. And I'm very excited to keep listening to it because it's been stuck in my head all week and I haven't gotten tired of it because it's a bop and a jam. Yes, you can check out Louis on his YouTube channel. You can check him out on Bandcamp, on Twitter. Louis Zong is everywhere and you should listen to his songs because all of them are the most fantastic thing you will ever put in your ears. We are on Twitter at, at Mumble Podcast if you want to check us out on Twitter. We will notify you with new episodes and new themes and behind the scenes content yeah. that you crave from <laughs> yeah i'm us. pretty sure there is a uh media mumbles like actual twitter at and that is not us it is the same art as is on our podcast there was another podcast with the same or similar name from 2011 all right well thank you once again for joining us for our little mumble hour here um have a great time doing whatever you're doing. Have a great night. Have a great day, wherever you are. Stay safe. I love you. Um, enjoy whatever activity you're doing next after this. Bye. I guess send me hate mail. <laughs> Abby's email is um, abbypodcasting at 123podcast.com. You can send her all the hate mail you want there. UK slash gov slash htp If you want Abby's real uh, email, PayPal me and I will dox her. <laughs> 